Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We Black in the Garden. Hey, Hey, Soil Cousins. Welcome to Season 3. It's Episode 3 of Season 3 of Black in the Garden, and we're just very happy to be here. We have crossed the one-year threshold into a whole one-year-old podcast. Yes, she's walking now. She's real cute. We are just really joyous and celebratory at this time. We are getting ready to get into Part 2 of our interview with Tyler Thrasher because the first part was not quite encompassing all of the amazing and dynamic parts of this very amazing and dynamic guest. So today's interview will be focused on part two of that. And you may have noticed that we have some new segments that I'm pretty sure that I talked a little bit about. We have the Garden 411 with Dr. Haley, where we talk about some current seasonal things that we can be doing in our gardens and in preparation for the season that we currently are experiencing or the season that is to come. I Let me be honest about the segments. Here's what it is. I want to add value to all my soil cousins and my listeners and my audience life as a result of you tuning into a show about gardening. It's Black in the Garden, but it is very much we are in the garden one way or the other. Boom. So there's that. And also, you know, there's so many ways that we can get access to current events, whether it be pop culture or news. And Black in the Garden is just not it. You know, I just, it's like, hey, you know, let's be not trying to wear every single hat and not trying to give the hot takes on every single subject that has proven to be more challenging than it needs to be in the past. And so I decided, eh, let's just keep it evergreen. Let's just keep it very simple and straight to the point as far as me talking to you and you knowing who I am. Cole be talking your hostess with the mostess, of course, and you learning more about our guests and, and receiving all these amazing gems that are being dropped and also learning more about bugs through our other segment with the kids Black in the Garden Kids, the title, it's a working title. We're still working on that. I know I had asked for some help on my Instagram page. Please still contribute to that. I had not taken the thoughtfulness to sit down and and just nail that down. But it's a really cute intro with the kids singing and an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about the creatures that visit us in the garden or in our home garden spaces. I know... Y'all know who they are. We're not going to name no names, but we do have a whole world of creatures that comes along with plants. And so Nadia, our soil cousin and guest from season two, has taken some time to have a conversation with my little ones, Irie and Isis, to educate us, all of us, because kids can teach adults. That's a part of the theme of what I want to get across to you with that segment, which I hope that you enjoy with the kids, literally a fresh take, a fresh perspective, because kids will give you that if they don't give you anything else. So I am very excited to be able to offer more value to my soil cousins, my listeners, my loyal and uh, dedicated tribe 
I am very grateful for you. And so I want to present you with an opportunity to show your support by becoming a patron of Black in the Garden. Now, here's a few things that you will get with your pledge to support on a monthly basis. For the price of a regular ass bag of soil, all right, you can get advanced access to video interviews. Now, y'all hear the audio, but you don't see the video. You don't see me with my hair looking some kind of way. You don't see the guests sitting at their desks or on their sofa or even in their labs. In the case of Tyler Thrasher uh, on these two current episodes, you don't see the facial expressions. You don't see the outtakes. These are edited interviews, so you're not catching the whole thing. So what you're getting for the price of a bag of soil is advanced access to the video interview that includes behind the scene, talking with the guests before we get started. And it also is essentially an extended interview that includes all of the parts that we edited out either for brevity or because your girl might've been rambling. I am known to do it from time to time, but you're not going to hold that against me. So consider this. If you like to get a little extra sauce, a little extra swag, a little extra drip with your contribution, we got you for the price of a big bag of soil. You get Black in the Garden swag. You get a sticker. Okay. And they're really cute stickers. They big stickers. I'm not going to send you the little ones. I'm going to send you the big three inch joints. And you also get, oh, this is my favorite part, y'all. Are you ready? You also get a copy you get a digital PDF of a Black in the Garden coloring book page. I am very excited to announce this and I'm very excited to offer it in this way because it is A, an incentive for you to become a patron. Obviously, monthly support means a lot to a creative who is also a virtual schooling single mother of two. Do you understand? Some of us and had to sacrifice some things for the sake of the pandemic. So fortunately for me, I already had a podcast going. And while still figuring out some of the more specific logistical nuance of obtaining sponsorship, we still have the option for community support. And the way that you can do that is by becoming a patron. So I encourage you to do that. Like I said, creatives, now more than ever are truly leaning upon the support of their, their patrons, their soil cousins is what I call y'all. Their supporters who really are enjoying taking in the content that they put out and the work that they do. I put out all of those things. I put out content. I do the work. I do this good work. I do booking and scheduling and promoting and marketing. And I used to do editing, but not so much, but I definitely am still very much involved in every single detail and nuance that you hear when you are tuning into the show. And I take it pretty seriously. So I say all that to say that so many reasons I just listed why you should be excited to get to support Black in the Garden in the form of becoming a patron. Also, you get all those dope perks that I just 
mentioned, such as behind the scene access to extended video interviews from Black in the Garden. You get to see our guests. Some of you may not even know what our guest looks like. And that's fine because you get advanced access and you get video footage of our interviews. And we will also share some of the video from the segments as well. Support. That is really the name of the game so that as we continue into 2021 and beyond, you can be one of those people who said, you know what? I, I was one of the first patrons of Black in the Garden. I used, I've been subscribed to her since like way before all y'all caught on. Okay. Don't be the one to jump on the bandwagon. Be the one to build it. I encourage you and I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate your support and I hope that you enjoy the segment that we have coming up right after this and the interview part two with Tyler Thrasher. Thank y'all soul cousins. <laughs> Guess what? We're back in the garden. So yes, they do clean themselves. They don't. They don't do like you and I when we sit in the bathtub of water. But uh, insects, they do groom themselves. So they'll clean off. Say, say it's a housefly. You ever seen a housefly before? Houseflies, they actually land on a lot of nasty stuff. And that's another insect that doesn't eat plants, is a housefly. But they eat other stuff. <laughs> but what they do is that, say they were on some animal poop or something, and they got on their feet and things, they would go in and they would actually clean themselves. You, If you look at them a little closely, you'll see them moving their arms and trying to remove all the debris off of them, and they'll rub their hands, their little, I guess, they're not hands, their little feet together. And they'll groom themselves. <laughs> I actually saw one do that before because it, it had like two little things and it was like doing like this. Yes. So, yes, they do clean themselves. They just don't sit they're soaked in a bathtub and they don't take a shower. <laughs> but they do clean themselves like you and I. They don't like to be dirty. They want to be clean because that dirt can actually weigh them down too heavy and they won't be able to fly. So they got to make sure they get it off of them. So with uh, another question that, I think a question that comes up for me that I'm sure y'all would like an answer to is what happens to the bugs when it rains? Y'all want to ask that? Cause that's kind of connected to the bath part. Cause you know, we could make that connection. So, um, bugs don't like the rain. I think I know why they don't like it. So why don't y'all ask the question? What do, what the, do bugs the bugs do when it rains? Okay. So different things. Uh, sometimes they'll go in, they'll go somewhere and hide. A lot of times they'll just land on a leaf and they'll just wait for water, the rain to go away. And it'll, it'll soak, you know, they'll get soaking wet. But what happens is they have wings and stuff. They'll beat their wings and they'll uh, get the water off of them. Their skin is called chitin. So, well, I guess it's not skin, but their outer exoskeleton. So they have their skeleton on the outside. Your skeleton's on the inside, but theirs is on the outside. But it's waterproof. So a lot of times water will just, you know, just beat up and roll right off of them. And then if they have their wings, they'll just flap their wings and they'll get the excess water off. Insects also, too, if they fall in water, it takes them a long time to drown because they're not like you and I. They don't breathe through a nose. They actually breathe through spiracles on the side of their abdomen. Do you know what their abdomen is? Mm -mm. 
So the abdomen is like the belly part of the insect. And uh, on the side of there, there's little tiny holes that are called spiracles, and they breathe through those spiracles. So an insect can be in the water for a long time. As long as those spiracles don't get filled up with water, they won't drown. Now, if they get filled up with water, then they'll eventually will drown. So they can be in a bucket of water for like days, and you'll see it still kicking and stuff because those spiracles haven't been filled up with water yet. But yes, very equipped for dealing with rain and thunderstorms and things like that. So if it's really windy, they'll definitely go and land on a, a leaf or they'll land on a, you know, they may, if there are insects that live on the ground, they'll go under a rock or something. Sometimes they'll come in people's houses, depending on the insect. If you've ever are, everything's not an insect. So something like arthur, other arthropods, like spiders and stuff will come into the house if the weather's going to be really bad so they can get out of you know, the bad weather, and then they come back out when things uh, improve outdoors. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're very equipped. They've been doing this a long time, surviving storms and weather, and then, like, when it gets cold, some insects, they make what is called antifreeze in their body, and that keeps them from freezing. So, if you ever notice, like, in the wintertime, if it's cold one day and it gets about 50 degrees, and you'll start seeing flies fly around, they're able to survive those cold temperatures because they have these chemicals in their body that keep their body from freezing. And so it's kind of like the antifreeze that you put in your car. It's a buildup of sugar. So antifreeze that you put in your car is nothing more than it's uh, ethylene glycol. Glycol is the sugar part of that. But insects, they make their own type of ethylene glycol. It's not, I forget the name of it. It's not called that, but it's the antifreeze that keeps them from freezing. That sugar in that body, in their body will prevent them from freezing over and they'll be able to survive. What happens if we have, you know, repeated days of where it gets extremely cold, some of them won't be able to survive. Soil Cousins, I am here today very excited to talk a little bit about a long-standing affiliate partner, Coco and Seed. Now, if you've been listening to Black in the Garden for a while, then you'll know that Coco and Seed is the place to go to get nature-inspired home and garden products for the plant lover in your life. Of course, right now is a time that you are very likely thinking about gifts to give, you know, for all of the things, all of the seasons. Consider this a black owned company. Here's something even more significant to consider. A black owned company endorsed by the mother Oprah. That is right. As of recent, Cocoa and Seed has been named one of Oprah's favorite things for 2020. So you want to hurry up and get over to that website and hurry over to cocoandseed.com using the link in the show notes. That is the affiliate link so that you can make sure that you save 10% and you can also support the podcast. It is, it goes hand in hand. You want to do both of those things. Why would you not? Like I said, Oprah's favorite things. Some of the items are already sold out because like I said, favorite things but if it's gardening needs that you have you still have the opportunity to get a hydroponic mason jar garden kit you also have the opportunity to get an eco planter i was very excited to grow some microgreens in my eco planter earlier this year and it's something that is such an amazing product that you are going to get much use out of it repeatedly you're not just going to grow something in it and then toss it out That's not recycling and reducing or the other R. You can find indoor garden kits, worry-free guarantee, really cute journal stickers, which I have all over all of my 
gadgets and things. And the products are carefully crafted by a black woman sourced and packaged with eco-friendly and sustainable materials. So make sure that you visit Coco and Seed, the link that is in the show notes to make sure that you get that very special affiliate deal with Coco and Seed by Black this holiday gift giving season. And let's continue with the show. Artist, scientist, father, opalizer, hyper-creative, D&D file. That's Dungeons and Dragons, if you don't know that. Chemist, husband, crystallizer, son, cave diver, icon, rebel teacher, historian, activist, explorer, philosopher, researcher, botanist, daydreamer, inventor, philanthropist. These are some of the words that can be used to describe our part two of this interview with Tyler Thrasher is made possible by the mere fact that he is the embodiment of so many dope characteristics, so much passion, so much knowledge and wisdom. And so we couldn't quite fit it all into part one or one part rather. So that is how we ended up with two parts. And I hope that you enjoy hearing more about Tyler Thrasher's story, his connection to art and science and how he connected those things via his very own connection. It is truly a remarkable conversation. And I am so privileged to have been able to participate in this conversation, facilitate it, whatever it is that you want to call it. It was a great time. And so I hope that you all enjoy part two of this interview with the mad scientist, Tyler Thrasher. Hey, so we are here today on Black in the Garden, just following up with Tyler Thrasher because we had such a great conversation that we decided that we should just keep it going, honestly, because we didn't get to talk about everything we wanted to. It happens sometimes. That's what sequels are for. So with that in mind, I've already asked you the question that I generally ask. You know, we got that part out of the way. So at least there's that. So we can get straight to it. Because like, look, if y'all want to recap, sure, fine. First of all, Tyler, hey, welcome back Hi. to Black and the <laughs> I got too comfortable. I got too familiar. I'm like, oh, y'all know what time it is. But no, let me be like official, official. And welcome you back. We're going to have a great time today. We got science and and oh yeah, more science and then like, we'll Some see what happens. Shit. It's going to be fun, I promise. So you started out in the greenhouse. There was like conversation about vulnerability and, you know, some childhood trauma, aka do not recommend. We just kept it really real. And I, I remember talking a lot about like life and kind of philosophical points in, in my childhood and not just childhood, but also child rearing in the way. What, this is my takeaway, which was we are raising humans to, to just become like good stewards of the earth versus we are bringing kids up. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's, there's a different perspective depending on how you think about it. So that's my takeaways. What about you? What was your takeaways from the first conversation? Do you even remember? 
Dude, we talked about so much shit. We uh, did. Uh, I mean, yeah, it got real. It got real. Uh, a, a lot about like plants and and growing growing with plants. We talked about some greenhouse stuff. Growing up, me living and growing up in a greenhouse and cohabitating. Mm-hmm. Uh, with plants and how we take care of plants, they take care of us, this sort of mutual mm. agreement we have with plants that hopefully we never abuse, although some of us do. And Ooh. I think we talked about the fictional realm of money at some point. <laughs> oh, we did get into capitalism. You can't get me to talking about capitalism because then the whole conversation is derailed. That's how much I hate it. I'm just like, you know what? And you know what else? And then there was that part. And, and then another like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> The soapbox is high. I have to like jump yeah. down off of that one. So, <laughs> so let's see. Okay. This is where I'll start because I was really wondering about this. Like Tyler, it is anybody who, who follows you on socials, which I'm sure that's how many of you found this, this show. Cause you know, he's going to let you know when it happens that it's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. welcome to y'all. But like you have, a huge following. And I know that that has a lot to do with your work. So I'm particularly curious as to how your work got popular. Yeah, it kind of happened all of a sudden, kind of like how things do on the internet. I would say around five years ago, I started delving into some of the more obscure science art that I'm known for. I started Mm. crystallizing insects and sharing them online. And largely, most of the people that followed me, like friends and family and and classmates, I was going to school for animation. So when I started sharing crystallized insects, they were like, what the fuck is this? A lot of of the people who followed me were like, that's kind of gross. And it was very discouraging because my whole mind was just erupted with curiosity. And then to have people tell me my work was gross and weird, I was like, oh, maybe I should stop. And then a big part oh, of me is like, no. don't, don't you fucking listen to those assholes. So good job. Uh, yeah. I shared it online and one of my favorite artists in the whole wide multiverse, uh, J A W Cooper. Uh, she's a phenomenal human and oh artist and, and, and just great person. She yes. shared my work and it blew oh. up like overnight. It blew the fuck up. And from there on, I just had people who were like, I've never seen anything like this. And my art shifted from traditional mediums to more of like, how can I show people some crazy shit? Like that kind of became my focus is Mm -hmm. my mind has always been filled with crazy shit. So I dedicated my career and my art and creativity to using chemistry as a medium and sort of like a catalyst for creativity. Mm-hmm. And it just took off. People started following me to see things they had never seen, to see chemistry in the form of art. And, and then I started sharing my plants. I started sharing my adventures and my dungeons. and dra- like I just started sharing the things that gave me life. And then you start connecting mm-hmm. with people. And it just kind of took off. And then people, I think at some point, people stopped following me for my art and more for like my brain. And so Ooh. that's kind of like where I'm at now, where I'm finding people who aren't necessarily following me to just see a whole cornucopia of crystallized shit. They're sure. following me because they want, they're like, what can Tyler's brain come up with? And so I've been dedicating most of my career to taking care of my brain and sharing some of the just bonkers ass things that come out of that. 
I'm happy that that happened. Shout out to J.A.W. Cooper for yes. essentially kind of putting you on. Like, y'all, he's actually dope. I don't know why y'all don't get it. They get it now. Yeah, yeah. Those Cooper's who do get it. And, okay, so what you said, kind of like the takeaway that I got there was like, okay, so you were doing something. People were like, eh, don't know about this. What about the animations? Fuck are all these bugs? Like, this is weird. Uh, yeah. Not for me. Exactly. Not for you. Like, everybody <laughs> not for you. We attract the energy that resounds. You know what I'm saying? If I may get a little, mm-hmm. little woo-woo. I don't know. But as you build community, as you, as you build a following and you find that people are just very excited about what you do. And then it's like, they came for the, the art, but they stayed for you. They stayed for you being you. Mm-hmm. And you've been very transparent about that. So like, you know, it's always a callback. I, I can't say this enough. It's like, Hey, just be you y'all. Let's, let's get the lessons. Let's extract the gems as we go along. I just don't want y'all to miss that. All right. Yeah. For me, the thing with social media, if you're going to share your stuff on social media, I think I've said, I don't know if I said this last episode, but we're trained to be very diluted versions of ourselves because we're told that there's certain parts of ourselves that do well. So we're encouraged to only be those things and then you just get very disappointing people. Like you don't get full fledged humans and that's just not good to show young minds who follow you know, older people on the internet. It's like, mm-hmm. we should be showing everyone to be themselves and be humans and be transparent and honest and just show humanity, not whatever the fuck social media is trying to train us to show. I agree. I am totally with that. I just remember it makes me think back to early, like very first experiences with social media. I'm thinking about MySpace. Shout out to my space yeah, still, okay. if you're still there. And I remember using an image on my page of an iceberg, right? Where, oh, you know yeah. that picture, everybody's seen this picture where you can just see the tip and yeah, then you yeah. can see like the water and you can see how huge it is beneath the surface. And that has been pretty much ever since I realized that at that time, that that's pretty much all you're going to get on social media anyway. Mm-hmm. Is that that tip? You're never really going to see all this shit happening under the surface. It's too much. Here's another thing. Let me take it another place. You're making me think about hyper creativity, which you absolutely are hyper creative because you stay creating like whatever you want to, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really life goals for many of us. Not even all of us even realize that it is. But you being you and all of your multifaceted ways, super dimensional and things is really inspiring but i like to use the term you're giving permission to people to just be themselves in all of the funky interesting dynamic ways that they are so more shouts out to you for that okay we love to see that so (laughs) there's that so you did mention your work of course that's a big part of the reason why I'm like, ooh, let's talk to Tyler Thrasher. Hell yeah, let's get him on Black in the Garden. Yeah. You opalizing and crystallizing shit? Oh, yeah. I can talk about that shit like all day. <laughs> okay, let's start with this. Hydea. Was it a Hydea? No. <laughs> H-I-G-H-Dia. No. Not no, idea, but Hydea. No. Y'all get it. Concept. Yeah, 
I was not uh, intoxicated when during most of any of the projects I've shared. Amen. Shout out to no, sobriety. I'm just, my brain's crazy. <laughs> the idea to use chemistry is art, and I guess you, you brought up two different school, like two different facets of my work: the opalizing and the crystallizing. Uh, crystallizing came Let's first. Take our time. And mm -hmm. the idea to crystallize things sort of was born from uh, a a ritual I had in college where I would spend every weekend caving or crawling through caves or or looking Ooh, for weirdo. caves. And yeah, I loved it, man. Uh, I spent every weekend pulling myself through these tiny crevices under the earth and digging and, and crawling through the mud to find these chambers of formations and ornate geological decorations that most humans don't get to see. And it's right there under our feet. It's mind blowing stuff. You spend every day walking around this fucking stupid society doing mundane shit, not knowing that there's a whole ancient primordial world right Whoa. under your feet. People just Whoa. skip over that shit and no one's told they're allowed to go look for it and be a part of it. So the first time oh. I went caving, it's the exact, being in a cave is the exact opposite of being in the human world. It's, it, but our roots sometimes go all the way back to caves and natural dwellings. So it kind of brings you back home and it brings you back to the earth and you're reminded, wow, this is where I will end up permanently and um, oh, look at too. what the planet does. So for me, it was, it was like church to be in a cave and my art started to shift. I started drawing crystals and minerals and, and then I started drawing some of the insects I would find while I was hiking, looking for caves. Then just sort of out of the blue, I started combining the two. I have drawings of crystallized insects before I actually crystallized an insect. And um, one night as I was falling asleep, I was like, you know, I understand chemistry. I know chemistry. I know how to grow crystals. And I've been drawing these insects covered in crystals. I was like, what if I just Ooh. actually fucking did that? So I did it. That's all. I just got my ass up, ordered some chemicals on eBay, <laughs> and I I grew crystals in my in my kitchen, in my lab, my door, my college house. And mm. that was it was it's all history from there. You did it at the house, but would you say don't try this at home? Does that apply? I would I mean, there are safe ways to crystallize things. There's all these different compounds and chemicals. So there are mm -hmm. some that are kid-friendly and family-friendly. I was, of course, exploring the ones that I would not just suggest any unknowledgeable person in chemistry to do. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I knew what I was doing. But no, I, I mean, I was definitely taking a risk. But, you know, sometimes those risks and creativity can yield some pretty big rewards. That's right. At least you weren't cooking meth. Yeah, no, and a lot of people thought it was. <laughs> oh, like seriously? <laughs> well, you know, it's like I get nervous <laughs> because I'm buying chemicals on eBay and I'm having them. Oh. At the time, I was having them shipped to a residential address in Missouri when I was going to school. Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri is like the meth hub <laughs> of the Midwest. And so here I am ordering chemicals and lab equipment to a house in, in the, the meth hub in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I would end up on a list. Uh, oh. but they figured it out. Now funny. they're just like, "Oh no, it's fine, you guys. It's just crystallizing bugs. Everybody calm yeah. down. <laughs> Nobody ever yeah. came to knock on your door, right? No. And okay. Of course, it wasn't elaborate. Covered. Yeah, I was fine. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I mean, obviously, you weren't cooking meth, so there was nothing to 
nothing to hide. (laughs) So, wow. You just ordered some crystals. It was like you had a vision, right? Mm -hmm. Because you were drawing them. And then you realized that you could like actually do that. Walk us through what your first experience was like with crystallizing. It was mind blowing. I found a cicada shell. Yes. And I, I submerged it in a solution of copper sulfate. Now, remember, like, there's not, at this time, I Googled crystal, like, crystal covered insects. I Googled crystallized insects. And what was nothing. Nothing. Uh, there was nothing. What? I didn't have a reference. And so all that <laughs> did that, was like, yeah, all that did was bolster my imagination. Like, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't even know what the hell this could look like. So I wanted to do it. And in my yeah. head, I dedicate most of my creativity and my inspiration to things that you just don't readily get to experience. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, this is probably the one time in my life, my short fleeting life, that I can do something new mm-hmm. and make something new. So I submerged the cicada shell in copper sulfate. Okay. I woke up the next morning and uh, I, I put on I put on some gloves. I reached in the solution, and I was feeling around in this dark blue jar. Ooh. And I found the cicada shell at the bottom, but then I started feeling these sharp edges um, around it, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" Ooh. And I grab it and I pull it out, and these crystals had burst out from the shell and had grown. I freaked the fuck out. My mind could only sort of like contemplate what was going to happen and Mm -hmm. when i pulled it out it was like i don't know it was like the gates to heaven just opened up and i was like oh my god oh you heard the choir singing yeah i was looking at probably the most glorious thing i had from that point on my brain was just like anything's possible it was damn near religious uh, I shared that was one of those mad scientist moments where everybody knows what I'm talking about, where you're holding it up. And you're like, oh, my God, it's like I discovered yeah, it, fire. Yeah, it goes from an idea to an actual thing. And I just remember I, I remember I, I took it and I took a bunch of photos and I shared it online. And everyone was like, what is this? I was like, what do you mean? What is this? It's like it's a crystallized cicada. And everyone's like, how and why? And I was like, what do you mean? How and why? Right. Why not? And so some people don't get it. Like something that's it's a milestone in my whole entire life. Chemistry, yeah. science, what are you talking about? And I, at that point, I said, fuck all of this. This is what I'm doing. And I mean, that's, that was it. It was like, I will not, I'll never forget that five minutes when I pulled that thing out of the jar. And I'll, my, the, just the creative pathways of my brain. They turn yeah. from like a little tiny, like narrow sidewalk into a fucking super highway. And I was like, this is Ooh, it. This is it, man. That is it. it. <laughs> so crystallization was the first experiment with like the doing the funky kind of experiments. I don't know how to describe it. It's just some, yeah, yeah, yeah you got it. <laughs> but yeah, just doing these these out of the box, very much dancing along the frontiers of, of art and science something like that, you know, the intersection, if you will. That's right. amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad that you got to experience that. And it just, that was the high. Yeah. You see, yeah. you see how I tied it all together? It's like, it wasn't <laughs> a high idea. 
Yeah. That was literally the drug. Because like what you described about how like your brain opened up and it just felt like, oh my God, there was undoubtedly an endorphin rush. Oh yeah. I mean, a five year endorphin rush. Like this, you know, this is gonna be my bread and butter and my lifeblood till the day I die. Like this is my, like I made something and I fought like hell to make it mine. And I'm like, I have something that is mine. My name is on this, I, I have started something. Um, and not too many, yeah, not a lot of humans get to say that. And I remember thinking like, what do I do with this opportunity? As I saw tens of thousands of people coming, flocking to this idea and, and mm. they were inspired. And I'm like, what do I do now? Like this is, mm. no one trains you or teaches you or educates you on what to do when creativity falls in your lap at something, at something that feels like finding the fountain of youth like it like no, i it's a huge undertaking i just still don't really know how to grapple with wow well i mean you just you do the best you can you know like because the way your humility is set up you're not the kind of person who's gonna sit up here and be like yeah i did that i'm the shit. you guys all should be bowing down <laughs> this you know what i mean no. you're all very much like i don't I'm just as, you know, excited as y'all are to see it, that that, that I've I even mean, done it. I'm not right? going to lie. Yeah, it's definitely a mixture of, like, thinking I'm the shit and oh, I am good. a sack of shit at the same time. That's possible. <laughs> over and over. That's very yeah. possible. That That's something that many of us can relate to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there you go being relatable again. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that's why we're having so much fun here. So... <laughs> How did you get into opalization? Okay, Y'all go so look at his website, though, if you need a visual, if you can. I know some people, maybe your hands might be busy, but please, you got to see it. You have to be there. So opals ha have been at what feel like another step in this story of creativity. Here's the thing. I love crystals. I love crystallizing. But to me, that almost became fluent. It, I, I can grow crystals in my sleep, literally. Like, it, it, I understand crystals. Now, mm -hmm. opal, that's a field that is somewhat explored, but synthetic opal and growing opal in the lab is sort of a very, very niche exploration. Mm -hmm. And my first experience with wanting to grow opal was uh, I was online one day and someone had tagged me in an image online. And I was like, what, what's this? And I click on it and it's this crab claw. There's a, a crab claw that was bright blue and green and it shimmered and it looked like the Aurora Borealis had just like completely covered the claw. And I remember thinking, what the fuck is that? And someone said, looks like something Tyler Thrasher would do. Oh. And this geologist said, it's, a, it's an opalized crab claw that was discovered. I never found more info on this item except the image. This image alone was enough to, again, have that second sort of eruption in my mind of this is one of the most ma magical items I had ever seen. It looked like something out of a Dungeons and Dragons, like Dungeon Master manual. It looked like mm. a magical item from the wizarding world. Like it was something completely else. So I immediately was like, well, someone thought I could grow opals. Maybe I can. So mm. I started Googling how, how to grow opals. There is nothing helpful out there. Most of it's bullshit, by the way. And any book you could find on growing opals is riddled with inaccuracies and, and misogyny. It's just a, misogyny? It's just a stupid... 
I got some stories, but I we didn't can get see to that, that coming. Oh, oh yeah. shit! <laughs> I got, I got what? twists. I got twists and turns in my story to growing opals. So I spent two years looking up how do you grow opals, buying books, purchasing research journals, and I started to collect just a mountain of random research, thousands of different ways to grow opals. And what is an opal? What the fuck is an opal? Geologists don't really know what opals are. They, we do know like chemically, but we don't understand necessarily how they form in nature oh. and really how quick they can form. So here's one thing that's gonna blow your listeners' minds. Up until recently, most geologists thought opals took hundreds of thousands of years. We thought it took an intense amount of time to form an opal in nature. However, just recently, an opal miner in Australia was redoing his fence line around his opal mine, and he pulled up a fence post. Right. And the whole bottom of the fence post was opalized. This opal miner was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And looked at it and said, and he said, this fence had only been here for 20 years, which means that opal had grown in 20 years, which is a minuscule fraction of what we thought it took to grow opals. It is. Y'all said like millions of years, yeah. which are wrong asses. <laughs> so, and then the, the, the same guy would find like an opalized Coca-Cola bottle that had been buried in his... So, uh, this Discoveries. man... Wow. Here's another twist and turn, how opals and, and devout Christianity go hand in hand. Get out! Hang Tell on, me yeah. More. This guy, his name is Lynn Cram, and he is an amateur chemist. He is an opal miner. He's discovered mm. some of the most beautiful opals in Lightning Ridge, Australia. And he... Mm. He said, you know what? I don't think opals take hundreds of thousands of years because I only believe the world's been here for 7,000 years. You know, it's that devout Christian principle that the world is not old at all. So he said, not possible. I bet I can grow opals in months. So he took dirt from his mind and he took all these different chemicals and household cleaners and shit and mixed it in a jar. And he grew opal in just a couple of months opal so chemically accurate that geologists could not tell the difference and he has never shared his recipe ever ever this is an amateur chemist you said and here's the here's the here's the funny fuck all about the whole thing Um, (laughs) all the chemists and scientists that think the world is billions of years old they can't tell the difference and they have this guy holding up a jar of his lab-grown opal saying, look, here's proof the world is only 7,000 years old. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. And he said, but look, and these chemists are sitting here debating like, okay, Lynn Cram did something phenomenal. He grew Mm -hmm. opal in a jar in his shed that is the best, best synthetic opal ever grown. But on the other hand, he's using it for proof. He's using it as evidence that the world was created by God 7,000 years ago, so. Oh, go off. <laughs> yes, you got another one for the Jesus tea. <laughs> so you you have this you have this world now where, you know, I'm not one to say science and, and the world is and universe is complex and we, we will never know anything or anything. Yeah, we ain't but, here to debate the origins of humanity or whatever. We got another show for that, I guess. But it's funny to have this devout Christian who's like, the world is only 7,000 years old. And we're like, we, we really know that's not true. Mm-hmm. And he grew opals to prove it. <laughs> so, I love it. So anyways. And he's an amateur. Uh, 
I found this guy on Facebook. And I was like, this is yes. Get so like, out. I've been joking with you and you've been Hold dead. up. Hold up. Hold up. This dude, I think he's like 80 something. And I followed his research. Yep. Okay. Uh, I followed all of his research and I was like, okay, if he can grow opals in his shed, knowing nothing about chemistry, I can grow opals, surely. So I set off to do that. And it took trial and error, trial and error. And eventually I would end up growing opal that was completely color changing. Like light hits it and it diffracts into all these beautiful colors. And it took about two and a half years to finalize my recipe. And this is a specific bit of information about why we experiment. For two years, I had one recipe I theorized would work, did nothing. It produced what's called potch, which is white opal. And for two years, I was growing potch. Then one night as I was falling asleep, I decided, what if I just tweak one of the chemicals in this recipe? Definitely. So um, I was using ammonia and I was using eight milliliters of ammonia. And I thought, what if I tweak it down to seven and a half milliliters of ammonia? And that's all it took. Yes. Love that. That's all it took. And so I made opal. one try though. Like you, you had like a shit recipe and then you're like, eh, let's just tweak yeah. it this one time. And you perfected it then? It worked. Uh, it worked like a charm. That's the ancestors. <laughs> Shout out to the ancestors. I wasn't trying to grow opal just to grow opals. I was trying to opalize insects and opalize just shit. I was trying to cover things in opal, which you know, Which back to that should. opalized, yeah, <laughs> back to that opalized crab claw. Like I could make opalized things, like I make crystallized things, and uh, that's been my goal ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're over here opalizing an insect or several insects. It's so hard for me to believe that it's never been done before, but I also love that at the same time. Because the reason why it's hard for me to believe that it's never been done before, and that's that don't have nothing to do with you. That's that's all me. That's all up here. But it's like I feel like that's something that has been in a museum. Yeah. So there are talk to me opal- about that. Yeah. There are naturally occurring opalized things. So if you look yeah. at opalized bl- blank, I mean, one of the first things you'll see is an opalized clamshell. And in nature, what ends up happening is you take the the components of say a snail shell or sorry, a clam shell Mm. and the molecules that make up the shell are replaced with silica. Mm. So the thing becomes opal. Now in a lab, it is so precarious to grow opals that if you are going to do it, they are better. That, that whole process is better used for like actual quote unquote useful science. So most opals grown in a lab are used for nanotechnology, uh, solar cells, light detecting technology. Mm-hmm. NASA has a small department that specializes in growing opals in space. But most of this research around growing opals is so new and so hands-on and um, sort of like on the brink of some crazy shit that no one's going to sit here and go, well, if we're going to grow opals, let's put them on insects. No, they're thinking if we're going to grow opals, we're going to use it for solar cells to put on Mars, like that kind of shit. I see. Okay. But you decided to do it your way and you're like, yo, this is, I really like to do this with bugs. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's just so artistic. My thinking is, you see all these scientists have these processes and these, they, they come up with these methods 
for strict science, like cancer research technology. And I'm sitting here watching them open up whole new universes for art. Like for me, I'm thinking, mm. yeah, you could grow opals for solar cells, or I could grow opals on insects and make something so mind boggling that I could show this to thousands of artists and it can show them what is possible when you remove all, all limits. I feel like my job is not to make something useful to science, but to make a catalyst or sort of make a, I don't know, like an open highway for artists mm. to think, oh my gosh, I can think this way. I can view art this way. And maybe scientists can look at what I do sometimes and go, well, that's weird, but that gives me this idea. Like, I think my job is just to like be this little dollop of inspiration with crazy shit, you know? I would say it's more than a little dollop. There's that humility again. I just had to go back to the website because let me just say something that sounds real cool. Check this out, y'all. Look, okay. So in, in reference to the crystallized collection, first of all, the crystallized, crystallized is a collection of work that delves into the art of synthesizing crystals, specifically on dead shit. So we love to see that on, on a website and that's in big, bold letters. But here's the dope part. This body of work explores the idea of combining molecular geometry and crystalline structures with organic surfaces as an homage to ancient and esoteric alchemy. Amazeballs, once again, I'm just, y'all, my mind is blown. If I sound like I'm all over the place or whatever, it's because truly this is, this is incredible. And like the first to do it, so that makes you not just the first to do it, but the first black to do it? Maybe. Here's the thing. There could be hundreds of artists that have done this. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was just, I couldn't find a body of work specifically around this stuff online, which is what gave me the encouragement to explore it and feel like I, like I own it, like to treat it like it's my realm to just go crazy in. So yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it took over, like, it just became this whole universe of art for me is to use chemistry as a medium for creative expression. We just, uh, I just feel like we don't get enough of that. We yeah. just don't get enough of that. Oh, my God. All right. Let, let's, okay, so we, we got into the crystallized and the opalized. I feel like I didn't get to ask you a question that I would be remiss to not ask you because I know we did not discuss you and the variegated monsteras, right? Can you just kind of like walk us through that? So the variegated monstera that's like all over my shit. Uh, no, I didn't hybridize that one. I found it. Now okay. I do what's called sport hunting and I go to nurseries and I look in a sea of plants and I look for the one freak that stands out. And Sounds to like my benefit, me. most people, yeah, most people don't care to look for the things that just, like there's all these treasures that lie right in front of us. And most people are told to just live this mundane, narrow life where I'm thinking the universe is crazy. There's things in front of us all the time. You just have to be able to spot them. And so that variegated monstera, that one specifically, ooh. I'm showing him a cactus, y'all, because I'm like, you got to get into this. This cactus has pink spikes yeah. on it. It's just like, yeah. that's what it made me think of. Like, ooh, yeah, that's funky. I want it. So uh, there's all the time. Plants are mutating and changing and adapting like all living things. Mm. But the thing with plants 
plants propagate and they grow so quick that those mutations can be observed almost in real time. You can have a leaf come up that's all of a sudden purple. And so yes. we have all these cultivars because botanists and growers, hobbyists will have a bunch of plants and they'll just notice the one weirdo that sprouts up. They cut it and then they, they uh, isolate it. So I was at this nursery in Tulsa and I found a very uh, monstera. I just wanted a regular monstera for our new house. And I saw one leaf that had a white stripe on it. And I went mm. to the, the nursery owner and I said, whoa, 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 you guys got variegated monstera in? And the guy was like, no, no, we didn't. He's like, we can't get those. They're so overpriced. And I was like, no, no, look. It was like, it has a, a stripe right here. And he was like, that's not a stripe, it's sick. And I was like, well, okay, uh, uh, no, no, I think it's variegation. And he said, you can buy it, but it'll, die, it'll definitely die in a couple of weeks. And I thought, okay. Oh. I, I tried being upfront and honest. And clearly this is a situation in which I know more than you. So I thought, um, I'm... I'm going to buy this. So I did. And over the next couple of months, each leaf would come up more variegated and more variegated. Yeah. And I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, let's cut it off. And she's like, no. And I was like, let's cut it off and let's separate it. And she's like, you're going to, she's like, no, no, no. The plant is so healthy and full. And I was mm-hmm. like, ah. So I just looked at her and I took scissors <laughs> and just cut it in front of her. Rude. I was like, look, babe, you can keep your regular ass Monstera, but right. this one's mine. And then, over the next three years, what started off as one leaf with one white stripe turned wow. into over 50 fully rooted plants, all of which were variegated. And I've given away like half of those, but uh, it, it turned into this thing where when I shared it online, yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's a part of it because you did say, y'all go to the website now. You said... People were asking you where you can get, where they could get a variegated monstera that doesn't cost a thousand dollars. And so you set out to answer that question and also make them more accessible. My goal is to make them accessible. I'm not trying to make a killing on this plant. You know, like Mm -hmm. my art is successful on its own. And so for me, this plant was like, sort of to me an act of rebellion against what's happening in the plant community right now where Mm. people are price gouging and not even selling full plants they're selling wet sticks and all this bullshit and so i'm I'm actually working yeah i'm not (laughs) but i'm actually working on tissue culturing this monstera to make thousands and thousands and sell them at a very very reasonable price oh they're cheering for you now they're all coming over to your team now if they weren't already <laughs> and this this Monstera, it's not like the Thai constellation or the Albo Variegata. It's completely unique. Like every leaf is a unique pattern. And so it's like a grab bag of patterns and colors. And people have tried to pry this plant out of my hands. When I had it displayed here at the science shop, I would mm-hmm. watch people come up and try to steal cuttings. People are so grubby with plants that I had to take the plant and bring it back home because every leaf was torn to shreds because people kept fucking with it. I'm and people. Sorry. So I, <laughs> I was like, look, I want this plant spread. Like, I want to share this plant. I'm not going to charge people $1,200 for this fucking plant. So my current goal is to mass propagate it and sell cuttings for you know, probably no more than $75 for a plant that people would sell for three grand fucking so quick and dirty. I don't agree with it. So that's the story of my variegated Monstera. 
I really want to talk to you high-rolling-ass plant collectors. I've thought about this. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the episode where it's it's somebody who is just like, yeah, I'll, I'll drop five Gs on, like, whatever. Right. You know, it ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? That's just, I just put that in my bathroom. I need to talk to that person. If you know that person, tell them to email blackinthegarden at gmail.com. Yo, that's what's up. Shout out to you for being concerned with our pockets and knowing that we we deserve to have access to these fancy yeah. plants. But, you know, the, the powers that be want to, or not the powers that be, but y'all get what I'm saying. The, the price gougers. There's a lot more to that. You know, the whole concept of like a botanical theft, you know what I'm saying? Where, where there are people who know that there's a plant that has a very high value and they'll go into yeah. a place, you know, where usually where there are indigenous people are still there and they'll just go and, and they take that plant. And it's a whole it's, documentary. I can't think of the name right of it right now. It, like right now, not that I like to talk about plant drama because it's so cringy, but just I recently. Mean, it, makes I mean, good, it makes for a good podcast, so let's do that. There's a guy, I'm not going to say his name because I can't stand his guts, but he uh, got busted for stealing plants from the Huntington Botanical Garden. He would steal plants and then sell them to Instagram influencers. And uh, he's, he took plants from me. He's taken plants from every reputable he took plants from you? human grower. He did. Uh, oh, yeah, I wish him in the you teeth. would just say his name. I don't care. I'll say um, it. I don't need to. Everyone knows who the fuck he is. But Oh, uh, y'all know who it is, except everyone. for me. Somebody tell me who except it is. Except for you. It's They'll fine. Tell, tell, you, me when but, uh, tell me when to cut it off. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people started sharing their stories about him. And I thought, you know, this guy's done me really dirty. So I shared my story. And I had like a hundred people message me immediately and say, Whoa. thank you for saying this because here's my story about him. And it seems like every plant person on Instagram had a skeezy run-in with this guy because he would take plants and he would, someone brilliant enough was try, like was trying to buy a plant from him. And he said, I got this one, this, this Bolivian oblique. And someone said, how the fuck did you get that? And he said, volunteering at the Huntington Botanic Garden in my five volunteering fingers. Volunteering in what now? I'm uh, sorry. He said, volunteering in my five fingers, oh, LOL. And so no. the person who was trying to buy this plant screenshotted all of this and posted it. Yes, receipt, drag him. Yeah. And he like could like there's proof that he was intentionally volunteering at these scientific institutions, these public institutions, and stealing plants so he could flip them for thousands of dollars on fucking Instagram to like stupid ass influencers just for just for clout. Like it's all made up bullshit. And Aww, he dude, encouraged a whole and the thing is, is this is all the only reason this was allowed to happen is because there's assholes selling plants for three to five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. When you do that, all you do is you build a community in an environment that inspires people to steal plants because they know, hey, I'll steal a cutting and sell for three grand. And if everyone did that, then we were back to the poaching and people going to different countries and invading indigenous property and land, not property, but indigenous land and and stripping plants. And it's happening right now. Like we see all these Instagram plant fluencers taking selfies with these exotic plants and everyone's like, where the fuck did you get that? And they're like, can't tell. And you, you know, you can't tell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's happening now. It's a, it's a shame. It's, It's 
got to be getting worse because there's so much more demand for plants now. Like it's definitely the industry is booming. Yeah. And we have to, we, I, and I, I, I go back and forth on call out culture. It's very dangerous, but it is. it's, it's one thing where we cannot encourage a bunch of fucking white Instagram plant people to go mm-hmm. to Costa Rica and to Brazil and Puerto Rico and start stripping plants for Instagram clout. It's short sighted and there's nothing, Nothing there but like temporary status. It's bullshit. Y'all need to chill with that though. Yeah. Calm down, guys. Just get the plant from the nursery around the corner like everybody else. You know what I mean? I just looked up the Bolivian ob- oblica and I'm like, that looks like the Monstera Adets. No? Yeah. It's, people, it's just it's just status symbols for people. It's a finished, it's a it's a plant, it's like a, a vining looking plant best my best description a vining type of plant with um these very intense kind of fenestrations you know like it just looks like a bug kind of ate up the leaves really yeah so there's that (laughs) but and that's just one example there's so so many but wow yeah did not realize that we were going to get a tale like that but like i said that do make for a good episode so i'm gonna keep that in (laughs) it's it's one of the the reasons that I have sort of taken a step back from the Instagram plant community, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons I've never got really far into it. I'm like, look, I love plants. I'll talk plants with you either on my podcast or let's get some coffee and talk plants. But I just don't care to engage with the Instagram plant community mm-hmm. because right now the trends encourage poaching. They encourage that colonialist, you know, behavior and mindset. And it's just so empty there's people in the plant community aren't talking about the plants they're not talking about education and the enthusiasm and curiosity around plants they're talking about who has the most expensive plant that's not i don't care to be in that room I, i same here because i just realized as you were saying that i'm like oh my people don't need to be acting like that we really are here to connect and we are really here to talk about the way that plants have taken over our lives and brought us so much joy and you know we're just trying not to be too much of a hoarder but we're not out here talking about oh you don't have a fifteen hundred dollar plant uh you know what i mean yeah i'm not saying there's not there are really wonderful pockets in the plant community and those are the pockets you'll find me around but right now if you want to be quote unquote popular on instagram you got to be playing into the poaching game and the status symbol game like it's fucking high school i that's for those who are interested in in getting popular in that way, and it's like really, if that's what you would do for clout, oh my god, it's like I don't even know who sings the song because I'm still somebody's auntie, but I know how the song goes. You do anything for clout, and you really need to think <laughs> about that. You you no, you don't have to do all that shit for clout. Like, girl, plants are really we love them, and of course, you know that's why we're even here having this whole conversation. But they're not everything that you need in life. They're not going to satisfy all your needs. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to put that Ikea sofa together for you, girl. That's all I'm going to say. I feel like, obviously, we could we could literally do like four more episodes, but, you know, we'll figure out how that will work. For now, we're done with part two. Like, we, we did another one. Me. <laughs> but this time, at least we got to, like, really hone in on... Tyler Thrasher, 
plants slash art. You know what I'm saying? Like we, I calmed down a little bit and I, I stayed on track. So I'm proud of me, but more importantly, I'm very proud of you. Like truly I'm proud uh, I know that everybody who, who is around you, supporting you and loving on you is absolutely proud. And, you know, we got to give people their flowers while they're alive. So oh. I like to to say that to you and, and be yeah. very specific about that. We are very proud of you and we want to support you. Thank uh, you. I, we, I guess we need to pre-order a shirt since they're just tell us a little bit more about how we can support you. Oh, my you. God. What's so. going on with them shirts, though? For real, for real. I, I got so many fucking shirts. So I've taken a step back these this past couple of weeks just because I my family is really important right now, always. But right now it's like it's I gotta focus because I'm losing my mind. But coming up for the holidays, I've never taken the holidays seriously with my work, which is dumb. I'm like that's the time to really go all out. So mm-hmm. this year I'm like. I'm making, I'm going to be selling a, a bunch of crystallized cicadas, crystallized snail shells. Um, I'm working on an adventure kit with the stem cell science shop. And it's going to be like a hiking exploration kit for kids and adults to just go out into the world and explore this world while we have it. And, and so we're, that's something we're working on. Uh, I'm hoping I can make some of the world's first invisible flowers. And that. Um, yeah. I can't tell you too much more. Uh, oh, good. Okay. No, that's fine. Yeah. We'll save it for when you can. And I have so many mad experiments on the horizon. Uh, and so th- we got a lot in the works, including what I'm hoping might be a dope ass book deal. But I can't say too much more about the, beyond that. But you things said are looking you probably good. said too much. <laughs> I probably did. But things are looking really big and exciting for me. And I'm excited to share some more stuff with you guys. Uh, so there's a lot to come. I just said we was proud of you without even knowing all that shit. (laughs) Now we're really, really proud. (laughs) That's amazing. You know it's going to be a a pretty big deal when you're like, I can't really talk about that right now. And I'm like, respect. I do respect that. I will wait. I'll wait. It's fine because it's going to be worth it. It feels dope to be on on this side and being like... I got some things I can't talk about, but uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got some dope ass things I can't really talk about right In the now. pipeline. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. No, it's totally fine. Don't tell me nothing. I would rather be, su- I like surprises. You know, I don't know about y'all listening because I know it varies from person to person, but I do like surprises. Uh, okay. So that is wonderful to know, but just for now, like as we wrap this up, you know, I always ask like, how do we, how do we find you? How do we support you? Tell us about your website and, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. So everything you need to know about me uh, in my brain is on tylerthrasher.com. From there, you can access my social media, like Tyler Thrasher Art, uh, my podcast, my music, my uh, my experiments. I have an, uh, an email list you can sign up for that I do not abuse. I just primarily but- use it to send updates and to send previews and sneak peeks on different products that are coming out. And even just like tiny little hints at crazy experiments that I have in the works. So it's, I try to keep my, my email list and my newsletter as exciting and as curiosity inducing as possible. Mm, we're looking forward to all of that. That is, <laughs> that's quite the tease. So thank you for sharing all of that with us and for being such an incredible guest and all of the other things that you are because with you being all of those things it's just like damn we don't have enough time to get into all of that but we did our best so we appreciate awesome host 
Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I don't take that. I don't take that compliment for granted because I strive for excellence. All right. Yeah. And in the spirit of excellence, I'm going to wish you love, light, and soil. Thank you. You know what time it is. Shout out to all my favorite soil cousins who listen to this juncture of the podcast. You are so special to me. You're so gorgeous. Do you know how valuable you are? Do you know how valuable your time is that you just spent with me, myself, and my guest? It is not something that I take for granted. So I just want to tell you that one more time because, hey, if you can listen to the end of an hour plus show or 45 minutes or more, really, it's like you committed and I just feel like you should be acknowledged for that as, as frequently as possible. So on today, that is this is another day that we will do that. So part two of our interview with Tyler Thrasher, we did that. It was a great time. Gems were dropped. We even had some cute sound effects. We're, we're doing something. You see what we're doing? We're like trying to liven it up, keep it nice and fun and funky for you. But make sure that you visit tylerthrasher.com to get into his art. Check him out at Tyler Thrasher Art on Instagram so that you can actually get some visuals. Uh, he updates shop drops and, and uh, what do you call these things? Merchandise. He's doing so many things. A man of many talents and, and desires and things like that. So make sure that you are tuning into our sister podcast, The Plant Kiki, for all the kikis about plants. Do I really need to explain this again? You need to get into it. It's up to you, but really you should though. Join the Compost Society so that you can be a more informed steward steward of the earth. You understand what I mean? We need to make sure that we are being very conscious about how we're handling food waste. And Black in the Garden is very excited to be affiliated with the Compost Society, which is, you know, it is a byproduct of Black in the Garden as it is a byproduct of my creation in the efforts to have a positive impact on the environment via regenerative sustainability. I have to say that slowly because I be trying to say regenerative agriculture, but that's not what it is. It's sustainability. So we're growers, right? Getting rid of waste, encouraging regenerative sustainability. Become one. Just go on Instagram at the moment while we get the website and all these things worked out. You know, 2020, we got big plans. So go to at Compost Society on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the education and the upcoming events that the Compost Society has to offer. All right. And of course, you still have the opportunity to sow a seed of support for the podcast by and get behind the scenes and get some advanced access by becoming a patron. All of these links are in the show notes. Now, you know, I wouldn't do you like that and not put all these links where you could get access to them. All right. So it's all in the show notes, including cocoa and seed affiliate link so that you can make sure that you get you a piece of Oprah's favorite things. OK, you one of my favorite things if you listen this far. And so you need to get you some cocoa and the seed. Why am I saying cocoa and the seed? That sounds like a band. I could hear it. Never mind. I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to hold you any longer. Thank y'all so much for your ongoing support and for being the brilliant and amazing soil cousins that you are. And I'm going to wish you love, light, and soil. 